Yo, partnership alert, partnership alert, partnership alert. Living Corporate has a partnership with LinkedIn Learning, an American massive open online course provider that provides video courses taught by industry experts across a wide array of subjects. Now, the partnership is because Living Corporate has courses on LinkedIn Learning focused on diversity, equity, inclusion for leaders, career professionals, and anyone really looking to upskill themselves and be better allies. So make sure you check out our courses on LinkedIn Learning by clicking the link in the show notes. And let's just say you don't want to do that. You go to LinkedIn Learning on LinkedIn, search Living Corporate. We'll be right there. All right. Peace. So, hey, hey, hello, and welcome, everyone. Uh, I am your host, Vonda Page, and welcome to the group chat. And welcome to the very first edition of a new group chat show called Radical Equity. So, hey, and welcome, Radical Equity. And so, um, just for people who may not have seen any previous editions of the group chat, um, let me just do a little bit of intro and, and tell you how it goes and what it's about. So as I told you, I'm your host, Vonda Page. And what I like to do is I like to have conversations with smart people who get it. And the Living Corporate Network is a media network that is all about the amplification of the voices and experiences of black and brown people at work. And because of that, right, I get together with, like I said, smart people, um, thought leaders, founders, technologists, uh, all types of business people, people, whether you're in, you know, education, nonprofit, high tech, engineering, insurance or whatever, because I'm trying to talk to professionals that are doing things that are really driving change. So anybody who knows me and knows what I'm about, I'm all about radical change and trying to really get to conversations that lead to solutions and talk to people that are really taking action to do stuff. So we on this show, um, just like on, you know, radical change on radical power and any of the, you know, other group chat shows, we don't have any uh, fluff type conversations. We get down to the no BS, down to the nitty gritty and, you know, call things as I see them, right? Um, I call balls and strikes. We like to do, uh, you know, the latest news and see what's happening, you know, whether we talking about what's happening in tech and specifically, right, in this conversation, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about insurance, right, as a sector, as well as those pieces that really have a lot to do with what equity looks like in that space. So with that, I want to first say welcome to everyone. And what I want to do is I want to kick it off with some introductions. So I want Alyssa to go first, and then I'm going to have Danny go second and Jeff third, just to make sure we have all the technical stuff ironed out. Because sometimes, I'm telling y'all, sometimes technology don't want us to be great. So we're going to be great despite of it, okay? And we're going to do what we're going to do. And somebody told me yesterday, hey, Dottie, um, hey, Dylan, somebody told me yesterday that as long as the content is fire, it doesn't matter if we have technology challenges. So with that, Alyssa, how you doing, girl? What's up? 
Pretty good, V. How are you? Um, Alyssa Stamp, I am CEO and co-founder of Insure Equality, but I really met Vonda through an interracial sisterhood, which we are starting and launching again for the second cohort. And we started talking about how does it look in insurance? How do we get the voices out there? How do we start talking to people to amplify, again, the voices that need to be amplified the most because that's part of our mission as well. So that's how Vonda and I started talking. And then as we started talking, that's how Danny and Jeff came aboard. And I'm really excited to have the conversations with the four of us. Danny. Me too, me too, me too, Danny. And Danny got the flavor. First of all, I have to acknowledge the glasses game, right? Because, you know, as a fellow, you know, spectacle wearer, um, the, the glasses game is on point right along with them eyebrows, I just had to say. Um, so uh, take you. it away, tell everybody about you. That's what I'm Bless just saying, I'm just saying. Bless you, because you know I took an extra five five to 10 minutes in the mirror this morning, because I knew I was gonna be on with you guys. So I'm Daniel, I am uh, uh, I hold many titles. I'm the uh, Executive Vice President of Marketing and Sales for an insane women-led insure tech consulting firm. Um, we're based all over the country, I live in San Diego. I also am the co-founder of Insure Quality, which is the nonprofit that Alyssa and I started together. Um, we we met through, and they I'll just say, be honest, Alyssa and I met through an anti-sexism rant on LinkedIn, yes. which where Jeff is king in this realm. Like he is the actual prince of LinkedIn. So I'm really happy <laughs> it's true. for Jeff to be on this. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but yeah, I'm super excited to be here. I'm super excited to talk. Um, I, I wear a lot of different hats in, in the sense of like diversity. I'm a foster father. I'm Mexican. I'm gay. I'm vegan. I'm Jewish. I check a lot of these boxes. Um, so <laughs> I, I just want to hang out. You just said everything that just made me happy. I'm like, we need to be hanging out. There was a um, comedian and I can't remember who it was, um, but it was like years ago. And it was a gay guy and he was on stage and he's like, if you don't have no black women friends, like what kind of life you leading? Like you should be a person that black women want to hang out. And and then it was talking. I'm all like, mm -hmm, we hanging out. And I'm just thinking about how much does it cost to get a flight to San Diego? <laughs> no, it's not that you. But it's, you black. know, Let's do it. the taco, the taco is the best. <laughs> Once you have it there, you never go back. In San Diego? Yes, like the state, the street tacos in San Diego. Like once you experience that, your whole right, life is messed on. up. Good to know. Well, I'm down. I'm down. I'm down. So intro yourself, Jeff. Now that you've talked about tacos. Um. So first of all, I'm the guy that brought up San Diego street tacos. You know, if you never experienced it, when you go to San Diego, <laughs> don't go anywhere else. Find a little mom and pop street taco, and your whole life is gonna be blown. Um, I've been in insurance probably 10 years now on the captive agency side for eight. And the last two years, co-founded two companies in the insure tech space. And um, one is on the distribution side. One is on the lead generation side. And um, it's an exciting space to be in. And um, I met Elisa. Elisa? It's, you uh, Elisa a couple of weeks ago. And it was like, you know, love at first sight, right? We start talking, talking, talking. And then, you know, now I'm on this podcast with y'all. So it's a pleasure to be here, you know. Well, welcome, welcome. I'm so glad. Um, I'm just, I'm super happy. I can't wait to have this conversation. 
And so, you know, what I really want to do um, for, for those of you who are familiar with me, familiar with radical change, you know, I like to always in the beginning of, of a conversation in a topic, I want to kind of go back and I want to give people some foundational knowledge, some foundational understanding and things like that. And a lot of, you know, when we think about anything that we know right now today in 2022, everything has roots Everything has history. Everything has background, right? Everything starts from somewhere. And a lot of times, right, the original intention of how a sector or a field or something might begin, right, we may be familiar with it, we may not. The other thing is it may evolve and change over time, right? Things that may have started off with a decent intent, right now we're like, OMG, WTF is happening because this is all a bunch of nonsense. And so me, myself, having gone through uh, a recent, I'm in the process of a whole insurance kind of situation with a whole homeowner situation. This is really good and timely. And I feel like, not I feel, it's going to be, you know, um, educational. But even before we get to that, let's just kind of talk about the history of the insurance sector, because we're going to be talking about equity and what that looks like. But let's just talk about when we say insurance, let's talk about what are we talking about in the biggest kind of categories? And then we can, you know, get into it. Because, Jeff, you were saying some things, distribution, this kind of side, and that was kind of more more jargony. So let's start with some foundation, and then we can get into it. So sure. whoever wants to jump in, maybe, E, you go first. I can you start. Give, you know, the, the yeah. foundation, and then let's just get into it. Now, it really depends on how far back you want to go, because if you think about insurance in the way that we think about it now, it's to protect or indemnify somebody for a loss. Um, and there's first evidence of this back to Hammurabi code. But when you first start to see it fixed with, uh, or when you first start to see it in the manifestation it is now or closer to it, it's with marine insurance. And with that, and I know that this is what you're hinting at, Vonda, there's a deeper, darker side of insurance where insurance actually played a role in the slave trade of enslaved people. So we have a history that goes way back that has its hands in things that we need to take account for and talk about. Wow, yeah. that's how we started it all. Yeah, yeah, listen, yo, Jeff, I don't uh, mess around. You had, you haven't watched none of my replays. I, I am man. gonna take know. another sip of coffee right now. You, you <laughs> take a sip. You can take a sip. We can all get a get a little hydrated on that one. Um, but it just goes to show that, like this, I think this is something Danny and I have talked a lot about. For a centuries-old industry, it's very unlikely that we haven't messed up some stuff. I mean, let's be honest. So. We're kind of taking a look at it from the standpoint of how do we take account for our past? How do we rectify where we're at now? And how do we move forward? And I think that's kind of where the conversation has to start is like, okay, so let's acknowledge where we came from and let's figure out where we are now so that we don't have to do this again. <sighs> Danny, weigh in. I mean, so funny for me, like, so... I come, I have a different, I don't have a different perspective. I have a different uh, view coming into the conversation because I did not come from the world of insurance. I come from a world of banking, banking, finance, and in fintech, right? So 
finance and insurance, they've always kind of been like kissing cousins to a degree, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I've seen, in my experience working in finance and working in banking and working in fintech, um, there is heavy regulation, and I mean cultural regulation around um, what in, what finances have done in the past. Like the Community Reinvestment Act started in 1974. Check that, Google it, whatever. But it's like if you work for a financial institution that does banking, by law, a certain a, you, your your company has to meet a certain amount of uh, hours given back to um impoverished areas or underprivileged areas because of redlining that happened a lot during the 30s the 40s and the 50s and the 60s so culturally finance found a way where they're like okay guys you're you're you're, you're hurting america you're redlining thank 1977 thank you um right there it was um it was a hard line in the in in industry it was a hard line in um, regulation that kind of made everybody think of practices in a completely different way and the way they engaged it. Now you're talking about how we literally in like there's literal insurance on people on boats and we don't have one law, one regulation, one note of IOTA for culture to kind of not stop this coming through. That's, that is, you know, I can't say that we have the ability to change regulation right now but i mean maybe that's a direction where most people should go because in re, you know finance and whatnot i mean it's pretty parallel i think it's crazy so so i mean i think that's an extremely important point to talk about a little bit right because when when the history of something however it started right the history of it plays a very significant role on how it's played out, how it's enacted and the impact on it today. So, you know, Jeff, you were saying when you were doing your introduction, how you had some different components, right, of, of insurance sector experience. So now, right, kind of take, you know, what Alyssa and what, what Daniel was, were talking about, that historical piece, right? And, and maybe frame it a little bit for us to help understand the state of it today, right? So as a lay person, right, with for me not having that background, right, what is it that I need to understand about the insurance sector, the history of it, and how that kind of plays out today? So I grew up in the 90s. You know, I came here as an immigrant, and I grew up in the 90s. So wait, um, back up before a second. Sure. Meaning you were a teenager in the nineties yeah. or a kid in the nineties? Well, teenager. I came here when I was eleven, so okay. almost teen. So um I grew up on a group of music called Wu Tang Clan. And during the Wu Tang era, we had the song called Cream, which stands for cash rules, everything, everything around me. me. Right? So that that used to play a huge factor back in the day um, when, you know, there's a thing called The Three Rules by Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He who holds the sword, make the rule. He hold, who holds the gold, write the rule. He hold the mirror, you know, reflection on the mirror, know yourself, knows the rule, and knows how to play with the rules. Um, 
you know, back in the day, we used to have countries go to war, colonize each other, right? Like the French, the Portuguese, the Spain, the English. And um, that, la- that made a lasting impact on the globe. But now we don't need to go to war with each other to conquer each other. We have economic war and, you know, we have economic policies. We have economic trade. We have disparity in economic trade. So we can control other countries by just making trades happen, right? And you, that's on the macro level. You go to smaller level. He who holds the gold is going to write the rules. Um, let me share some disparity with y'all. Um, you can go to Google, you know, do a demographic research on United States population by breakdown of what percentages, whites, Asians, Hispanics, Native Americans, yada, 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 yada. And then you can go do the more research on female versus male. Um, this past year, Robinhood, the app, won public IPO. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest thing in IPO by Robinhood is it's a number one app for millennials and Gen, what am I, Gen X? I can't remember which, which Gen I'm following now. So, but <laughs> let's just say millennial, right? Millennial. Uh, the, the number one app usage is the millennials. And here's the statistics I pulled up because I've done my research for this panel. In the next 25 years, as much as $68 trillion from 45 million U.S. households will be passed down. That's the people who don't necessarily have the money right now, but their pop, their mom, their grandpa is going to pass money down. And the velocity of money is so different. So back in the 1940s, if I pass $100 down, I might make another $100 at best in the next 10 years. But right now, you see... Bitcoins, cryptos, you know, Solana and, you know, Ethereum, they grew by 800 to 9,000% percent. in one year, right? Yep. And then you have, you have home ownership in the United States, drastic changing with the cost of homes going up significantly because our buying power is going down due to 7% inflation. So the commodity rising at a fast and fast, fast level as Ever before, shortage of labor, cost of materials, steel, aluminum, all that stuff. So right now, I did more research because I was like, I want to get in deeper. Transfer of wealth. 10 million Americans have, on on average, 98,000 per year income on rentals. Let that sink in. And how many of that percentage are minorities? Let that sink in. And then average landlord in America have three properties. There's over 17 million landlords in America. And they own 22.7 million rental units. So what I'm getting at is, is how many of those 17 million percent, what do you think the diversity of women and minorities will be that 17 million? I did a little bit deeper dive. Surprisingly. I was shocked by the statistics. 43% are women who are landlords. Oh, nice. Right. I was not expecting It shouldn't that. be, oh, nice, but that's nice to know. Yeah, that's surprising. And, you know, we're talking about, like, some of the really messed up numbers in America and some of those really messed up numbers, maybe Native American, how their success in poverty is, and also Black women in America. 
there was statistics I watched. Um, the Wire is an old show. My my wife and I were watching it, and it was like one out of four black women in America will experience marriage. They will go through a wedding. So that means three out of four are single mom their entire life or single woman, right? So single mom, single woman, two separate things. But you know, you got to get to the next level of wealth, and you know. Real estate has been one of the most stable hedge against inflation in our lifetime. And that was just a mind-blowing statistics. But here's the crazy part. So I just told you what that number is of the people who are landlord owners. 17 million, right? But you add that to the fact that the next 25 years, Americans will be receiving $68 trillion of passed down inheritance. So wealth is the knowledge. So the people who have the knowledge versus the people who don't have the knowledge will be receiving the $68 million. Mm-hmm. And then you add that to the fire of these people who already understand how to build real estate portfolios. And now we're talking about a huge gap of wealth coming. I mean, now we're talking about, oh, the rich versus the poor, the middle class, the middle class is shrinking. But now in the future, I believe. There's not going to be a middle class. No, the gap of the wealth is going to really extend and. I might give a really unpopular, unpopular advice, go against my minority immigrant way of thinking and what my parents brought me. So my parents brought me from China when China was poor in the 90s. It wasn't China today, right? They brought me over here for better opportunity, freedom to pursue liberty, right? And also happiness. But at the same time, like, when they brought me over here, they risked all the things like leaving their homeland, leaving their family, leaving their all they know go to a country that they have, they know nothing about. And, but the thing is when they came over here, they went from risk tolerant, high risk tolerant to risk averse. Averse. So Mm -hmm. when they left, they made a huge high risk choice. When they came over here, they made a huge low risk choice and they became, they're looking for jobs instead of building business. And they want their kids to go to college. If you look at, a lot of maybe not just Asians, maybe Hispanics, maybe African American, like they want their kids to go to college. You ask their parents, what's the number one dream for your kids? And they will say college. Mm-hmm. But the problem with college today is the only thing that have kept up with the growth of Bitcoin in the last 20 years, the trajectory of the growth of Bitcoin is the cost of college. So <laughs> if any listener on this call been to college, I hope you went to college 20 years ago versus last five or last 10 years because the cost of college has been going up crazy like Bitcoin does. And so now let's just say you are a smart, intelligent black female. You get out of college. You're ready to go conquer the world. You are equipped maturely, emotionally, and intelligently, but you're not equipped financially you are set back at a 22% interest from Fannie Mae. Just look at the difference of if I want to go apply for a $100,000 college loan versus a 10000 business loan. Look at how big disparity it is mm-hmm. to get either one. One becomes super easy. Like that is a new financial handcuff. We talk about mm-hmm. slavery. I mean, you open a call with slavery. The new slavery is called interest rate. Yes, it is. Fannie Mae. Fannie Mae is the biggest slave. Ooh. I- I might be careful what I say next. <laughs> you I, are right. I will, I will leave that. I will leave that because I don't know. Lot, there's so much there, Jeff. Right. There's but, a lot there. 
But that's the financial handcuff is through debt system. And you guys ever watch the Matrix? Matrix was a show that I grew up with. You know, they came back with a remake. But eh, one's always the, the ish to me. When he was unplugged, I came out of the movie theater. I said, like, I want to be unplugged, right? <laughs> so at the end of the day, when they find a way to unplug us from the ships and put us in the cotton field where Chinese immigrants came over here, where's labor, cheap labor on the railroads. Yep. They plug it into the railroads. But yep. at the end of the day, the new financial system have no, I would almost say have no recognition of color, no recognition of race, no recognition of nationality. It just have recognition of who's plugged and who's unplugged. That's right. But the, That's problem, right. But the problem is the whole African-American, Hispanic, and Asian community or even, you know, single mom communities that I didn't make it, but I want my children to make it. If I didn't go to college and I didn't receive, I didn't reach that financial goal. My thinking of how my children is going to receive and reach and reach the financial goal that I didn't reach is the pathway through college. But the minute you go through that blue pill, you take that easy blue pill, the easy hundred thousand dollar college grant, you are now strap yourself to twenty two years, twenty five years, thirty years of twenty two percent interest. And you always will be employee because if you want to be an employer and go start a business or go get grants, go get whatever, you need access to capital. And when you have $150,000 debt, it's going to be hard to get access to capital. And SBAs, small business loan, they have so many programs for veterans, minorities, lower income areas, um, women. But how many of us no. First of all, do you think our parents know, hey, go get SBA loan, you want to open business? <laughs> so most Asians I know, they play within their little community of yep. church they go to, friends that they have, they borrow each other at high interest loan, and they use their own money, right? When you use your own money, you are 100% capital at stake. But if you're using government-given SBA loan, you put down 10%, the government going to give you 90% of that starting capital. How many of us know these programs exist? So I chat with, before I came on the show, before Elissa and Bonnie invited me to the show, I chatted with like three of my SBA lenders. And for the record, they're all white. And I chatted with them. Hey, do you guys do things like diversity, like minorities, veterans, and um, women lending? They're like, we would love to do that. We don't get enough incentives from the government to do more, but there's program out there. We would love to do more. But the problem is nobody is applying. When you're 28 years old, you have 180,000 student debt, and your credit score is 640. How encouraged would you get to apply? I think right? it goes back to what you're saying, Jeff, about how much debt you have to take on to go to school. I mean, as one of the two millennials on this panel, I can attest that I still have student debt. And it goes also with what Jeff is saying about the rental market. So it's not just that you can't start a business, you also can't buy a home. And then I also want to tie that into what Daniel was saying about fintechs and redlining, because that absolutely still exists in insurance today. Now in a different manner, yep. but it still exists because it is probably a lot easier for a landlord with a chunk of properties to insure them at a cheaper rate by each one than it would be for someone to insure it by themselves or on their own. 
And you can see this if you try to go get insurance somewhere and if you accidentally enter the wrong date and then, or the wrong address and then enter the right address, how much that can actually fit. So these are things that we need to be talking about and Jeff was smart to bring it up because the debt crisis is really what's propelling this forward. And then as he said, as this money gets passed down, that gap's going to go. If if our uh, if our college debt is not show up on experience, our FICO report, our TransUnion, minorities and single moms will have way easier way to get better rate on their house when they buy a house, get better rate on their car, get better rate on their insurance. We know insurance is credit based. Get better rate potentially to finance of SBA loans. Get startup capital to open whatever business they want to open, and also. Obtain home ownership, right? We see home ownership in California go up like San Diego, like double the last two years, right? Oh, and then oh, like California is already crazy, that? right? So just oh. imagine like now you now you're saturated with equities, right? You are rich through the growth of our real estate market. You can benefit from it. But the problem is if you had that saturated college debt on top of you, guess what? You are not going to be able to get that home or get those second home, third home, fourth home rental properties because it's ruining your credit score, right? So I just want to bring a factor that a lot of us might not really think about. This There's a lot of things socially that's affecting minorities and women in the job field, how you guys can climb corporate ladders, right? But guess what? Everybody have access to MLS. Everybody have access to Ref and Zillow. And you know what? These realtors, they take anybody's money. Money is green. Money has no color. But they can't take your money if you don't get access to the leverage of capital, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and you know, in my opinion, like, how do we change cultures? And um, interesting fact, um, Hispanics and Asians are the fastest growing population in the United States. One is 81% for Asians. And 76% for Hispanics. This is 2020 census. And in the Asian household, they're averaging 2.2 children per household. White and blacks are actually decreasing in population size, which is really alarming by like a massive alarming rate, 1.6% children per household. And um, so as we go in the next 10, 20 years, as America starts keep on changing, 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 we have to change how we view college because if college is going to set our children and our grandchildren back by so far, just imagine when these $68 trillion get passed down in the next 25 years to these 45 million households, how that continue to change the gap of our society. I, I love our society to be more diverse, more mixed, and more middle class, right? Because that's how we obtain a stable country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What were you going to say, Danny? You were going to say? I, like, you're, like, Jeff is blowing my mind, and then there's certain things that I forget that insurance and finance, like, finance are, like, they are literally kissing cousins. Because if you really yep. think about it, credit is the one thing that was supposed to help give everybody that nice little equal playing field. It's like, oh, there's no, that, there's no racial bias in credit, right? Except for how you learn it. And then I remember... Credit has only been around since 1989. It has not been around for 50, 40 years. It's still a, a fresh concept in the American society. Yep. 
And, and then you think about, I remember working for, I used to work for Capital One and I was a part of a study that did things that were like, why aren't, you know, like my, you know, I'm not here for repping Capital One or anything, but like, there's no, 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 no initial deposit. There's no, you know, overdraft fees, none of that. Right. And I'm like, why aren't we getting the, the deposits from like the minority groups or like who live in the rougher areas or, or something like that. And the study come to find out that there's no transparency in mm-hmm. bank or no transparency in insurance. A lot more people will go down the street to the check cashing place because they have a list on their wall saying that they will cash your check for a fee of $5 and they'll pay that fee because it's transparent versus a bank who says there's no overdraft fee. And then, and oh, oh, there's no draft fee. Like it's super illegal. And insurance is almost on the exact same ballpark where I was talking to um, the CEO who, um, Alyssa, you and I both know his name is Chris, Chris, right? Chris yep. opening up, he, he's opening up his own. Um, like the only parallel I can think of is uh, Buddy Insurance, where mm-hmm. Buddy Insurance gives you uh, the ability to buy a really cheap on the spot personal line insurance policy for. Um, like me and my, my kids, we live in California. So like, we'll go to the beach surfing in the morning and go skiing at night. Yes. Humble brag. I know, but I want to be able to insure my, my, my bikes. I want to insure my surfboards. I want to insure all the equipment that I'm going to go snowboarding in. Um, and buddy insurance is, it was really easy. $25. It covers everything for the entire day. It's bite size and it's transparent and it is what it is. And it allows people to kind of understand that insurance is kind of hit there to protect you versus the perspective of like, at least my, you know, my parents are Mexican. My mom's white, um, but my, mom, my dad's Mexican, right? And in the same time, we never really had insurance. We, we had insurance because we had to buy legally, but we never, like if we, if a car got into a, a situation, we didn't claim it because we felt like we were being victimized. And sometimes we were, mm-hmm. um, or the fact that um, minorities, if you want to talk about generational wealth, you do a life insurance policy. You may not reap the benefits, but your children will have instant 100%. generational wealth. Like it's insane that we don't have a life insurance policies beyond, you know, for minorities and whatnot. So those are so many different opportunities, but nobody would know that unless they had the education. So let's go back. I mean, I think you need to say more about this, you know, the this buddy insurance and and maybe put some links in the chat. Right. For people, because like I don't want to just talk about, you know, options and things that are out there. I want to make sure that people can have, you know, additional resources. Right. So if this is an area where particularly, you know, Jeff, a lot of stuff that you were talking about right around, you know, SBA loans and these kind of things and different types of insurance or, or or making sure that people have access to the resources where the information can be found. Right. So mm-hmm. that's the key because that's where, you know, knowledge is power. Right. You talked about, you know, do you have the gold? Do you have a mirror? Right. And we know that cream is the rule of the world. So that's what it is. So we need to make sure that people have for life, Wu Tang, we need to make sure that people have the information right that they need. So, so yeah. So, okay, great. We got that link in there. All right. So now, I mean, let's talk a little bit about ensure equality, and let's talk, you know, about the the mission, and you know, how did you say 
this we need to make a whole ass company to do this work. How did you get to that, you know, um that place? And then let's get into the vision and and you know the, the work itself. Thanks, Vonda. Yes. So as Danny said, we met through a sexist rant on Facebook. And I'll let Danny talk about that because I think that's key. And we both were kind of going through our moments where we were recognizing the disparities that different people faced within the industry. And it's always been on the face and always been on the nose. I mean, if you are outside of the industry or even tangentially connected to it, you recognize the makeup of it. I mean, it's, it's about equal parts men and women, but that's not represented in the leadership. And if you take a look at it from, from the whole, I think there's like 20% non-white people represented in the industry as of 2020 numbers. And we're in the middle of a great resignation and the insurance industry has actually been facing that before 2020 happened. It was like 2018, 2019, that's when people really were like, I don't know if I wanna be here anymore. Let me consider my options. And so when Danny and I met, it was very much a, yes, we found somebody else who cares about this. What do we do? Because I had the vision and the goal of we need to hold people accountable, but I didn't know quite how to do it. And that's where Danny's InsurTech section came into play. So Danny, why don't you talk about that section? Because I think it's great. And then we can talk about, yeah, go for it. I mean, so yeah, so so to talk about like recruiting really quickly, like I work for an amazing company where 70% of the leadership are women. Um, the CEO is a badass woman. Um, I see her in the chat. Hey, Margo. Um, so going through and trying to find really good talent to come into my insurance tech consulting firm, I got to the point where it seemed like all the people who were really qualified to come on board with us were all women. Yay. But they were women in companies that were not being, they were not being promoted fast enough. So I was like, fuck that. And I'm so upset. And I went on LinkedIn and I just like, la, 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 la. and then one of our mutual friends who works at this small little company called the Hartford. Um, decided to like um, link us together and then we were like this is crazy but we're sick and tired of like just talking about things you know like that's great let's get it all out but what the hell are we actually going to do to keep people accountable so her and I came up with the idea of coming up with a, with a nonprofit, kind of the same uh, business stance as Rolex Rolex most people don't know but Rolex is a nonprofit. hospitals are nonprofits. It doesn't seem that way because you're being charged up the wazoo, but in the end of the day, that's the business model of insurance quality. Um, and one of the products that we're coming out uh, this year is an accountability piece of our nonprofit called Medusa Score. Uh, Medusa Score is going to be a, kind of in the parallel of like Glassdoor meets Nerd Wallet, where it's going to be resources, but it's going to be a place where people can actually go, both employees. Um, employers and consumers can go online and give a score to an insurance agency, company, carrier, MGA, wherever, the whole gambit of insurance, um, and basically score them um, culturally. Nothing about their services. You know, that's for Glassdoor. That's for Yelp. But for mm -hmm. us, we know exactly about culture. Why are, why, why are you coming on here and and allowing all these people to like step on you or having all of this, right? Um, the accountability piece is that once you have enough scores aggregated, they're going to have a scoreboard. They're going to have like a report card. Yeah, you scored really well on the diversity inclusion part, but you don't have any women in leadership. You scored really low on that. 
how about, you know, we have programs that will allow you to attack that situation and actually help move the needle in the right direction and keep people accountable. If people don't want to interact with the, with the platform, that's completely fine. The score will be, it is what it is. Um, and eventually we'll have the ability where people can actually go to Medusa score, see the scores of these different carriers, these agencies, and if they want to buy a policy off of them, they'll have the ability to go directly from Medusa score straight to the carrier or straight to the agency and have that ability to connect with the company that matches their values um, and move that direction in the right direction. My, my problem is, my thing is, hurt them in their pockets. Hurt them where it hurts. Right. Right. right? That's how it's. <laughs> right. Right. So, so, okay. So I, what I love about that is it sounds like back to that piece around um, transparency uh, and really giving people an opportunity to, to have real insight. Right. So it's cause it's like, you, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Um, and you have no way of knowing what you don't know. And so to have um, the availability of a platform and a way to um, go right to that transparency um, in a clear way is extremely important. I think it's a really, a really good model. Um, say more about how you came up with deciding to use Medusa as you know as that um the reference you want to tackle that danny because then i want to go back to the value-based piece of this yeah just to, good to talk about medusa really quickly like <clears throat> um so i not to brag but i like to vacation in you know in italy and whatever um and when i <laughs> i love that i mean so when i'm ready to go you can give me all the places to go to i mean relatable right like when you need to get away go to verona not a biggie Okay. Uh, so I went there with my husband a couple of years ago and I was walking by a um like a tourist group and they stopped right in front of this house that had a giant symbol of Medusa on the on the on the door. And the 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 lady who was giving the talk was talking about like how Medusa back in the day would be a symbol for uh safe haven for people who for women, for men, for children. For prostitutes, like it would, like it would, like it was a sign of protection and a sign of, you know, of making sure that this is a safe place for you to go. And then I, like, and Alyssa and I were sitting there drinking our wine as we usually do, coming across the idea of like Medusa was wrong. Like she got raped and then she got put on a, and then she, oh no 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 no, she was legitimately blessed because now she is a symbol of protection. And she only, if you read the stories of Medusa, she only turned people who were bad bad people into stone but not mm -hmm. everyone who looked at her so there was a misconception so i'm like i want to weave that into the fabric of who uh of keeping accountability you know medusa will get you if you, if you let her i love that i love that i love that i love that <laughs> and daddy hey, was agreeing with you um around that you know around that too and and you know ali had put a comment in the chat about you know, companies, they, they all say they own these bandwagons, right? And they have these marketing. I mean, okay, we are, what, uh, 24 days away from the first day of Black History Month. We want to see all these damn companies with all their lies and nonsense 
And in the meanwhile, how about the article just came out yesterday? Microsoft was it Microsoft or Google? I don't even remember because it doesn't matter. It's One Google. of them. It was Google. Just it's awarded Google. they top four of uh, executives all this extra money or whatever. Meanwhile, they told the employees they can't even get cost of living inflation. But, but the streets, right? The streets talk back, right? <clears throat> so right now, Apple, Microsoft, Facebook is raiding Google's employees. So they're leaving on a massive level right now. And you know what? It is what it is, right? So they made a decision. Can I talk? I want to go back to the value base. And I do want to talk about Allie's comment because it's really, really good. And it was one of the reasons that Danny and Megan and Kylie and I, the four founders of IE, chose our logo because we saw so much signaling out there in the world, this virtue signaling of we're going to change our logo rainbow in the, you know, in the middle of the year. And then we're going to make sure that we feature black people in February. And that's it. Speaking of Vonda, we should put the link for the Black Speakers Collective in the chat. So if you have oh, not yeah. hired um, a speaker for Black History Month, make sure that you honor this list. But to go back to the value piece, most of the workforce is going to be millennials here in the near future if it's not already there. Millennials and Gen Z care about buying based on value, not just do they like this product, but do they like that company that it's associated with? And they want to be associated with companies that care about the same things that they do. By and large, these generations care about diversity and inclusion, as well as saving the planet and, you know, a multitude of other things. I myself will make buying decisions based on that as well. So the whole point of what we're doing isn't just to lift the voices that don't normally get to speak in these spaces, isn't just making sure that there's accountability in place for people that say that they're doing all the right things, but it doesn't manifest downward. It's so that people can be active and conscious consumers as they buy insurance. Are these companies treating their employees well? Are they treating their customers well? And are they perpetuating that throughout the rest of what they do? Yep, yep, yep. Can I, can I jump in? So this is- yeah. This first time I, I heard this, right? Like, you no, know, I just got all this live. And coming from, you know, last couple of weeks binging The Wire, you know. <laughs> well, don't tell y'all haven't seen it. I grew up in the 90s. And, you know, I'm from the DMV area, which is D.C., Maryland, Virginia. And, you know, area, there's an area called Baltimore. And Baltimore is known for great things like crabs. And then also Baltimore known for the show John the Hopkins. Yeah, John Hopkins. <laughs> and also known for the show called The Wire. Mm-hmm. And um, The Wire is probably one of the first show about the U.S. drug scene, the war on drugs, and also how the war on drugs have affected Black community to the core, right? The brokenness that we feel in 30 years later. War on drugs was started 40 years ago. So think about that for a second. Yeah. 40 years, the fact that it left behind. Yep. 40 years, the fact that it left behind our society. But... There's one line I want to drop it here. Medusa, right? You guys are policing the drugs. Police, five O's, they protect and serve. They police the drugs. Detectives, they go after the money. So as you are rating corporations on their levels of hiring, practices do they practice what they preach preach do they follow their campaigns of we hire minorities women 
immigrants, veterans, right? If they say they hire veterans, are you really doing it? If they say they hire women, are they really doing it? What's your leadership score on minorities, women, veterans, whatever? But there's a whole other side to this. If you want to make real change, and that's the next level, take it up another level. And that's a challenging level because now you're messing with the money. Mm-hmm. You want to fuck with the man. You got to fuck with the money. Right? That's right. Yeah. I keep on bringing like 90s rap uh, references and quotes, but I'm sorry. You don't got no references got, and rap quotes that I don't know about. I, I, I got, I got, I got one more skill set. I got one more skill set than these rap quotes. So, but let's go back for a second. So, SBA. SBA is broken down by thousands of banks in America from Wells Fargo, JP Morgan, the top big ones, Bank of America, to local community banks like Credit Union, like Jacksonville Credit Union, right? So you have, and then you have middle guys, right, who specialize in SBA loans. They target any small business. SBA 7A loan is a small business loan in the United States, right? Where the government take on 75% of the risk, the bank take on 25% of the risk, the borrower put 10 to 15% down, or sometimes even up to 20%, and as low as 5%. They decide, bank decide because the risk score, they decide if you are 5% down payment person or 20% down payment person. Mm-hmm. Based on that decision, sometimes they can encourage a loan to go through, or sometimes discourage a loan to go through, if you know what I mean. And for capital, for capitalism to happen whether become an insurance agency owner with State Farm, Farmers, Allstate, Quantum, or any other companies, you need infusion to capital. So infusion capital starts at the bank loan sector. These Just do a Google and then put in SBA 7A, and then you can see all the SBA lenders, right? So we can put on SBA lenders, and then you can, about just a couple hundred thousand of them. And then... The next level up to me is get into the decision-making of all these SBA banks. Say, hey, you know, out of $2 billion you guys brag about last year, the SBA lending you did, how many of them went to veterans? Mm-hmm. Here's statistics. 1%, 1%, 1%. 1% minority, 1% women, 1% veterans. So we can never get to our goal of achieving success of increasing the diversity sector in corporate America if the people in the shoes of the decision makers who are diversity can never get money. Mm -hmm. So the second part is in the insurance world, we have this thing called insure tech, right? And um, I, I swim in that little sector right now. And, you know, insure tech have a thing called insure tech founders and they rely on angel investors, venture capitalists, to believe in their idea, in their visions. Mm-hmm. Um, last time I checked, there was 81,000 on search results for venture capitalists. You can double check that results. It's on LinkedIn. You know, type LinkedIn, venture capitalists, and hit people and see how many shows up. And, you know, and all these companies that's out there, Jennifer Linton, who is a famous digital insure tech company out of Richmond, Virginia, shout outs, such. Charlottesville, Virginia. And um, she told me an alarming statistic because she's part of this group that's called Startup VA. Um, 1% of total VC money went to women founders in the tech world. 1%. Our industry have a 65 to 70% 
workforce of women. Yes. And yep. less than 1% of the money went to founders of women. Just, just sit back and let that sink in for a second. Either somebody's not asking for the money or someone not getting approval for the money. But, you know, if you guys want to take that to the next level, you guys got to I mean, help, help the money over, flow. Jeff. Jeff. Come on, Jeff. First and foremost, I'm, you are twins. We're twins because we are Medusa's score. She was going to, she obviously, she's going to grow. We're going to go into different industries beyond just insurance, obviously. Um, so what all I'm hearing is that you, me, and Alyssa need to get on a call beyond this. So when we expand into the financial and uh, part of Medusa score is that now we have somebody who can, um, map quest that for us. Perfect. I'm, I'll put it down right here. Got you. Yeah. Got you. And I, uh, I do want to make a point though, cause Jeff, you said that we were, we were the police. We were making sure it was out there. We're not policing anything. What we're doing is allowing people's voices to be heard through Medusa. So we aren't coming after them. This is really about consumer behavior and whether or not people want to deal with it and whether or not their values line up with that. Because, you know, if somebody goes on to Medusa, right, Danny, and they'll enter the score and it's, it's not the score that they want, we can't do anything about it. They can only be the ones that change what's going on within their structure to make sure that their employees feel differently about the place yeah. that they well, you guys, you guys are bringing transparency, right? You guys want to say, hey, we want to bring decentralized yes. opinions to the mass. Yeah, yes. I would call us more of a third-party accountability partner because, honestly, we don't want to be throwing terrible scores out there. We don't want the industry to look bad. We're a part of it. You know, we work here. We want this place to be great, and we want it to welcome others in. We want to move everybody forward because right now there's either – I think Allie was putting it in the chat. People are putting out there, oh, look, we're doing it. We're doing it. And as we know, it has either faded off completely. Vonda and I have had these conversations mm -hmm. completely. Or it's starting to kind of like not really feel that way or the marketing doesn't match, you know, what's actually going on inside. So we can all do it, but we've got to do it together. Yeah. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just display the ones that obviously have the better score because that's just more positive. And we have a whole slew of lawyers, and psychologists uh, who are going to help us create the hard data and the soft data. So, um, but yeah, Jeff, you are welcome to help. We would love, we would welcome you coming in and helping us get that money to like make sure that that disparity, you know, starts moving in the other direction. And I'm writing this down. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So Malika said it right. Malika said it was like like the reporters making making the truth known right and because yes. that's what it is 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 bringing transparency bringing the information that people need to the forefront right so for example tomorrow on the group chat on the radical change at 8 a.m pacific time right um we're going to be talking with jackie abram again who wrote hush money the hush money book series hush money um and hush money too and yeah, you got it right there. And my new ones, Hush Money 2, she mailed them to me today. So I'll have those soon, but mine are right there. Um, and, and you know, Jackie is also talking about, you know, um, that documentation and providing that information, right? Um, we're going to have the CEO of Speakfully that's going to be talking about her platform and her 
her, um, you know, vision around helping to bring transparency out. Because really, if we think about trying to ensure that, you know, equity is, is becomes real, right? And not just something we talk about and not just something we, you know, use as a, as a buzzword and a hashtag, we have to, you know, be working on all cylinders, right? We need to, you know, release ourselves of that scarcity mindset and pull it together and bring people together um, and, and bring those things into the forefront, you know? So, um, you know, as we wrap up today um, and we're going to be having these conversations weekly as well, um, what are some other, or I don't want to say what are some other, what do we want to leave the audience with today? Um, You know, from a standpoint of how to think about and something that they can put into practice for themselves this week, whether it's looking to see, you know, what your current life insurance policies are, whether it's examining your, um, your uh, company paid or personally paid health insurance plan, whether it's looking at your homeowners and personal policies. I'm not an expert in this field, but give the audience some takeaways around, um, you know, insurance this week and, and maybe some things to think about for next time. Jeff, go nuts. I feel like you're just ready yeah. to go on this. <laughs> um, so I have a friend named Rude, and uh, his parents are immigrants from Haitian. He served our country in two tours in Afghanistan. And he just recently joined Quantum. And I had this conversation with him. I said, look, you're black, you're immigrant, and you're a veteran. You literally represent three sectors that our country owe a lot of debt service to, right? But when you join Quantum, and before that, he joined Allstate, which he followed my footsteps. Um, and he's literally just reached me out there in the internet world, find me on Facebook. Um, and I told him I had this conversation with him. I had like a little pep talk, right? TED talk. And um, I said, you have a lot of weight on your shoulder right now. Like when Jeremy Lin decided to pick up a basketball and check in that game, playing for the Knicks, the Lin Sanity era begun. He was destroying a myth, right? About a myth about Asians are not athletes. Asians are can't dribble a ball. Asians cannot be successful in NBA. And then I had the same conversation with Root. I said, hey, look, there's like 3% of us in the financial industry. That look like you and me. We got to be successful. We got to be successful once the people that we touch, the people who look like us, who are our community, we got to put them in a better place. So a tragic strike them like an accident, like a house on fire, like someone passed away, that they have a financial mean to continue tomorrow, that their tragic did not determine their life. The tragic did not determine their next generation with a follow generation's footsteps. So that's our social responsibility number one. Social responsibility number two is to inspire. When you have a black man in San Antonio have a respectable, successful, well-practiced financial office, financial agency, you are going to inspire the other 16-year-old, 15-year-old who coming up say, hey, you know what? Do I have to go to college? Do I have to go to college for five years and get 150000 or I don't know, $300,000 debt, right? 
to be able to hold a $80,000 job a year. Mm -hmm. So I told him, I was like, look, what we're doing is transparent. It's, it's, you know, it's transcending a neighborhood. It's transcending a culture right now. So you have a social responsibility to be successful. And whenever you get tired, think about those social responsibilities and then let it keep on pushing forward. That's my TED talk. <laughs> and I'm glad we came to it. I was that was great. That was great. So hey, we wrapping up on the hour now. So I'm gonna, you know, um let us all say goodbye. But I just have to say this was a great um premiere episode. The group chat, radical equity. I think we did the thing. Um, Dottie, Malika, everybody, Allie, thanks so much for joining. Dylan, um, hey, keep on shouting us out. And um, we will see you next time. Thanks, Thanks everybody. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye.